even if you have to start at the bottom, start slow, eventually you can get there. You just have to stay at it. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 79. Today, I welcome an old friend, McKinley Mason. I met him in 2018 when I ran Football Hall of Fame, half marathon. He is a runner turned triathlete. Up until the age of 50, he would have called himself a casual jogger. He only ran 10Ks about once a year. Both of his parents died in their early 50s. They drank and smoked a lot. And so did he. It became a dream of his to outlive his parents. And he prayed on it. He had a testimonial event that occurred in his life the year of his 50th birthday. It forced him to stop smoking and drinking. At that point, his casual runs became longer and longer. And after a year, he found himself running three to four hours nonstop. In 2010, at the age of 52, he ran his first marathon in Richmond, Virginia. Initially, his goal was to do one marathon a year. But once he joined with other run groups, the peer pressure became real. And that quickly changed. From 2010 to 2017, he was a marathoner. He ran several marathons, one year up to five. Then his brother, while shopping at Walmart, bought him a bike. The bike had many loose screws and parts, so he took it to the local bike shop, and it was there he met several triathletes. So after talking to them, he started cycling he started taking swim lessons and lessons for him he's looking at youtube videos talking to other people and basically teaching himself how to swim he knew how to swim because he swam before but his endurance was not up to the standard of doing a a race he can only swim maybe half the distance of a, a lap so He started doing triathlons as well. He's still a runner for athletes after they start doing particularly longer distance races. Don't do as many solo road races, but he does both. He loves running. Over the years, it has taken him to places he thought he would never see and met so many people that are part of his run family. He's run marathons in 24 states. Five continents, completed four of the six majors. He's completed 24 marathons, 52 half marathons, one ultra, three half distance Ironman races, 7.3s, and one full distance, 140.6. All of this after the age of 50. Running has become his love. 
but becoming a track elite is amazing as well. When it comes to the world of multi-sports, McKinley could run and cycle and obtain podiums and duathlons, but swimming was something he really had to work on. Again, he swam in college, but went 37 years without swimming. He signed up for his first triathlon at the age of 59 <laughs> and literally ran most of the pool if his feet touched the ground. He did an indoor try as his first. The same with me. He was frustrated at his attempts to learn to swim, but he never gave up. He went to numerous swim and open water clinics. He was the only person of color, only black person there. He never felt comfortable. So again, he taught himself how to swim using videos and advice from other people. In 2021, he did his first Ironman, Ironman Maryland at age 63. Finished at the time of 14 hours and 52 minutes. He has a goal of doing another. And he also has other lofty goals when it comes to running, which I'll let him tell you about. Please welcome McKinley Mason, or as he is known, Deacon Run, to the show. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Hello. How you doing? I am great. I am great today. So let's start with, how did you start running? I started running, actually I started running when I was in the military. You know, the military was a requirement. Mm -hmm. I went to college. I joined ROTC, and we had to do PT, physical training, and all that. And so we used to run two, one, two, three miles. And uh, that's what began my running. I didn't like it. You didn't like it in the military? Why? Because you had to do it? It wasn't fun? No, it wasn't fun at all. You know, the only time it was fun, we got information. Like you see on TV, you heard running, mm -hmm. and you're singing. Now, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that looked fun to me. But on those days, we had to go out and train on your own and do, because, you know, we had to actually do what's called a PT test. And, and back in my day, we done it on the track. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, I'm, I'm old army. So we done it on the track. You had to run around the track eight times. And, you know, if you've ever trained on the track, you know how boring that is. It's like, you know, super, super boring. So, so after the military, did you stop it running and just pick it up again or you just continued? Yeah, I kept running. Um, I kept running because I got out the military in 91. So I kept running two or three miles to stay in shape. And back in those days, believe it or not, I used to drink heavy and smoke cigarettes. And you still was running, though. I used to smoke before I go run my three miles and smoke and have a drink right afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was your relaxation. That was your recovery. Oh, yeah, that was my recovery back in the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? I went back and looked at, like, some of my PT test times, and I didn't realize back in those days, you know, I was, I was running, like, sub-sevens and, like, 620. Really? Yeah, because I didn't pay it in mind. I hated this so much, so I just wanted to hurt and get it over with. Did you participate in any other sports growing up? Um, no, no sports growing up. A lot of my friends, a lot of my cousins played sports when I was in high school and junior high school. But I grew up in a, in a like a farm, rural, a farm area, mm. a rural area. And there you had two classes. Class worked on the farm and helped make money for home. And the other class, you know, parents had pretty decent jobs. So you have to work so you could do those after school events. But if you worked on the farm and done the other things, your income became part of the household income. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after school, you know, you're going to work, you know, weekends you work, or ain't none of that, uh, that other stuff. So I played none in high school. But you was pretty active, though, uh, working 
after work and working on the weekends. So when you you know today, if you don't work, you on the couch probably playing video games or in the streets doing something to get you in trouble. Yeah, I always like you said, stay busy doing stuff. But I was nowhere near what I am, you know, the stuff I do today. The only thing I used to do was just used to run two or three miles, just stay in shape and lift a little weights to stay toned. But that was about it. So what made you progress from just running two, three miles to actually doing endurance running? Uh, back in like 2009, I had a special event, something that happened to me in my life. And um, so that was 2009, 2010 for my 50th birthday. I think that was 2010. I quit smoking and I quit drinking. So what happened in 2000 and you said eight that changed your life? 2009. Like most folks know me today as does the deacon run or I and deacon and all that. But once upon a time in my life, I was, believe it or not, in quote, I was the Mac Daddy. Really? <laughs> I can I can see that. <laughs> <Don't say> that. <laughs> <laughs> at the, at the, yeah, back in those days, like most folks that know me now, they cannot visualize when I tell them the Mac Daddy stories. What I used to talk about, I used to smoke and I used to drink a lot. I also used to, I used to love to drive. I swear I was one of those persons, I swear I could drive better if I had a, just a few drinks. You know, on a four-hour road trip, you drunk the whole way, that's way more than a few. So that was me. And uh, so I got in a lot of trouble doing that. Getting in trouble was the best thing that could ever happen to me in my life. I said a prayer one day. I had to do some hard things, make some hard decisions. And because my parents also, my parents drink a lot, they smoke a lot. And both of my parents passed when they was like 52, 53 years old. You know, they, they, they never made it to 55. The whole time frame, I was thinking, I'm like, you know, I want to really, really seek and outlive my parents. So, you know, based on what happened to me, it's it just the timing of everything coming together, the trouble I was in, everything together was a perfect timing. And I just said, you know what? If, I'll stop just smoking and drinking and just so I can outlive my parents. And like I said, I said a prayer one day and I have never had any counseling for alcohol. I've never done um, AA. Okay, you just stopped on your own? No, I didn't stop on my own. I stopped through prayer. I just said a prayer, you know, but it's like sometimes they tell you, you say a prayer, things don't turn out like they like they think they are. I said a prayer, I got in trouble. But it was the best thing that happened to me in my life. I wouldn't have got in trouble. Either I'd have been dead or I'd have killed someone else. So that was the turning point. Yes, yes, yes. And that was right, right around 50, right around 50. And then during that time, I noticed my running got extended. I could run, for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, hour, half, two, three hours uh, and get tired. So you went, after you stopped smoking and drinking, went from running two to three miles to just running an hour, two hours, and that kind of progressive. Yeah, yeah. So I noticed when I started like feeling running, it was like right at four hours. And uh, I had a good friend and I used to work with. Matter of fact, he and I used to drink a lot together, but he ran marathons. He ran Marine Corps. I think it's a Navy guy. He ran Navy and one more. And so, you know, I always looked up him when it came to running like he was God. Because ain't no way in the world I would ever, ever, ever attempt to run 26.2 miles. You crazy, right? But after I ran these four hours, I'm like, you know what? I want to think I'm trying to do it like my friend. Uh, he ran Richmond. That was the last marathon. I ran Richmond at the age 52 for the first time. And uh, no no Pacific training. No, Don't know nothing about shoes. You know the normal story. 
You just went out there and started running and say, hey, I'm going to run this marathon. Yeah, I have been running because I used to go to Virginia Beach and do the half marathon because I, I got to know some black men run and other people. So at least I was training for a half marathon. So like my philosophy today, I tell everybody, you can run a half, you run a full. Because I can run a half, I run a full. And I went out there and it was like my second fastest time even up to the day. So it's interesting that your parents kind of inspired you to start running to be healthier because you wanted to outlive them, even though I guess they may not have taught you as far as longevity, good habits, as far as health and and food and and wellness, but their example inspired you to be better so you can outlive them. Yeah, it it was that simple. I just wanted to actually, the number 55 comes to mind. I knew if I made it to 55 because I wasn't sure, but I know they was younger than 55, but I didn't know the exact age. And I'm not one, I wasn't going to the files and pull out to know exact. So I'm like, if I can make it to 55. You'd be okay. That's interesting. Yeah, my mother inspired me, her goodness, and the, for good and for bad. She was a great woman. She was brilliant, excellent in many ways, but she had health challenges, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, and she used to walk around with this bag of medicine. I called it her walking pharmacy. And I said, when I get old, I don't, I don't want to take medicines for high blood pressure and diabetes and have to check my blood sugar and be on insulin. So she inspired me professionally to be better and also healthy because I don't, I don't want all those things. And to this day, I don't have them. And it's part of my lifestyle, trying to run and bike and swim and do all these crazy things. So how did you progress? You said from the two to three miles to the marathon and in, in multiple marathons. How many marathons have you done now? I've done 27. I've done 27 and. Matter of fact, I tell people I've done it without even trying, <laughs> you know, because, you know, once I've done Richmond, like I told you, I met the folks on Black Men Run. I think what, what happened in 2000, what year Heather King had Publix? Was that 17 or 15? Or? I'm not sure the exact year. Yeah. Take, team Take Down Republic, remember that? I think it was, yeah, I think it was, I'm thinking it was like 15 or 17, but whatever year. When I went there, I had met a lot of people that, you know, we only knew on Facebook, on social media, you know, Soros, frat brothers, folks that went to the same college you went to, but you only knew them on the computer. That's when it was 700 black folks deep. You know, I don't know if you ever saw the pictures from that race. Yeah, but 700 deep, and I got to meet a whole lot of the race family for the first time. And I got attached to like team takedown and wherever takedown going, I was going with them. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So that was the start. Yes. Yes. From that year, because I practiced, I practiced with doing like Virginia local stuff. I would go see, you know, the DMV races around Richmond. That was about it. Virginia Beach. You know, I done that for like three or four years until I went to Publix, and that way kind of took it to another state, took it to another country, and now around the world. Okay. So twenty-seven marathons, and you done fifty-one half marathons. Is that yes, correct? Yes. 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 And one ultra? Yep, one ultra. Probably one and done on that. You wouldn't do it again? The, um, You did um, Marine Corps, right? Yeah, I done Marine Corps the year of my soul. And uh, it wasn't because of the weather, just that I have no desire. To run more than a marathon? I, I have no, I'll go, matter of fact, if someone say, let's go do a half Ironman tomorrow, I would go do that before I even attempt to do another, uh, what's that, 50K? Ultra? Yeah, 50K, which is what, 30? 
31 miles? Yeah, 31.4 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Each one takes me about, about the same, like about six and a half, something like that. Because I know when I've done that ultra, it's amazing. Once I hit 26.2, I kind of like, okay, my race over. And I just started cutting up and walking. And yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. You know, I get there when I get there. It can always be my PR. So. Uh, that's true. <laughs> you say one and done. One and done. <laughs> So what's your favorite marathon or do you have one? Actually, my favorite is the Marine Corps Marathon. Marine Corps. Yeah. I've done eight, first of all, because I'm a veteran. Okay. Well, thanks for your service. Oh, thank you. And everything that goes with that race, you know, it's so much sacrifice. You think about not just the Marines, but, you know, just veterans, period. They fly over the helicopters and the jets, all that in the morning. They just get you stoked. The thing the most is, let's say you are mile 17, right? And, you know, if you ever met Marine Corps, it's one of the hardest in the country, even though it don't look like it. Yeah, it is. And it is on that yeah. hill. <laughs> <laughs> now, 17 is struggle, but you come up on a runner in front of you. As you get closer, you notice he's running with no legs. You know? So you like, as, as bad as I feel, you know, I cannot, I can't emulate to that. That's true. Another something that used to get on the Marine Corps is I see the soldiers running with their their I don't know the proper terminology, bags and then in the flag and that stretch where you see all the in memory of this, all, this soldier, this soldier. And I don't know what mile that is. It's Haynes, it's Haynes Point. I think it's right around the half marathon, I think. Yeah, if I remember correctly, something like that. That inspired me to keep on moving when, when I saw that. Yeah, so that's a special race. So that's why I, that's my favorite. Richmond will always be my first love, though. Ever since then, that was 19, whatever year, what, 2000 and 2012. And every person I've met since then, if they want to run a first marathon, I always recommend Richmond. Yeah, because of more than the courts, the community and the people. Yeah. yeah especially that last, you know, 10K, they will get you through. Mm-hmm. They'll get you through. I've only, I did the 10K, I think, when the National Black Marathon Association had their summit there. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do that race every year. So you run marathons on, in 24 states, is that five continents, and completed four world majors, is that correct? Yep. So do you desire to do all seven continents in, like, 50 states? My desire is to is to run every continent of the world right now, only okay. seven, to do the six majors. Okay, I have two continents left. I have two majors left, Tokyo and London, and both are scheduled. Okay, okay. Matter of fact, London is 2 October, and then uh, Tokyo is March 2023. To be to make the difference is most folks that have the most folks that done those two things haven't done an Ironman. Yeah, haven't done an Ironman. Then uh, once I retire, then I'll start doing states. I'll load the van up, grab the get grandkids on the weekends. No, you do. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's eventually like, you know, the ultimate goal is just to do it all. So what made you start doing triathlons since you seem to love running so much? Like what made you? My brother brought me a bike and he brought me a Walmart bike. He was at Walmart one day. He said a bike was 80 something bucks and it was a swim. And back in my day, swim was just like buying a trek. Mm-hmm. They swim was like, the, you know, we should call it the 26 speed or something like that. If you, was, if you had a 26 speed swim back in the day, you was it around the, around the neighborhood. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I ride your bike. <laughs> so he saw the bike and he brought it for me. But when I got it home, when he got, when he brought it to me, 
it had a lot of some of the parts were loose. I guess the guys put it together in the where in the back. They do a good job. So I'm like, well, let me take it to the bike shop. I know they can, you know, make sure everything is tightened up and good to go. And you know, so that that bike shop became my local bike shop. So, you know, I just started going there hanging out. You know, you go to the bike shop, you start meeting people. Next thing I know, I'm riding like 20, 30, 40 miles on a bike. Um, but I didn't, you know, I done got rid of the Walmart bike. I done brought me a road bike now. I'm with these folks from the bike shop. We riding. So one Friday night. So you start riding with people from the bike shop? Bike shop, yeah, yeah. I started riding with people from the bike shop. And uh, then one Friday night, they was talking. They were talking travel. They asked me, could I swim? And I'm like, yeah, I learned to swim in college. I graduated from college in 1980. Uh, I learned how to swim when I was a senior. I needed one like little class that you know kind of get time to kill some time, so I took up swimming. And uh, so I so I went swimming with them one Saturday morning. I jumped in the pool like it was 1980. Like it would come right back to you. <laughs> eight feet. <laughs> and you jumped in the eight feet. No, I'm, I can only swim eight feet. Oh, okay. I, got you. I had to come up. I had to stand up. <laughs> You were like, okay, I need to work on this. Yeah, for college, you know, they, they qualify and, and pass the class. I think we probably had to swim at least two, 3,000 meters or something like that. But it was 1980. And although, you know, you know, as a man, as a, going to the pool, you know, they would do a set there, play around a little bit, go to the beach, play around. But never no serious swimming. Now, until I got with these folks, I can roll with you. I got eight feet. I couldn't do it. Yep, that's about it. But it got me, that's what got me started. In season five, we will continue the segment as the dog. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal health, please email me, send me a message via social media, or click on my website and leave an audio message. Select messages will be answered on the segment. How did you improve your swimming? from eight feet to Ironman? Well, you know, it's like nothing I ever started all the way back from probably when I was uh, 11 years old when I first started working on the farm. I've never started nothing and never finished, right? I, but sometimes I'll take an indirect route. I might not take the route the average person would take to, to get to the end, but eventually I know I'm going to get there. So I kind of knew that, you know, I kind of could get there, but I need to learn swimming like, not a swimmer's way, but a marathoner's way. You know how to run marathons. Because people always say once you start swimming, the light come on. Remember somebody probably told you that. Yeah, yeah. You feel the water. Yeah, yeah like, that's the that one day the light will come on. One day the light literally came on. And my philosophy became, um, because see, I'm, I'm uncoached, coached myself through swim, bike, and run. There was one lifeguard. She was a, a triathlete at the YMCA I go to. She gave me a couple of pointers and also a lot of people on BTA, you know, because I would ask questions. A lot of folks became my indirect coaches, you want to call it that, because I ask anybody questions. And um, so it grew me to think about swimming as running. I'm like, when I run a mile or when I run a marathon, I do not start at the beginning and run over to the end. There becomes a point to where I walk to either drink water you know, if it's a steep, steep, steep hill, I might run three quarters up and walk to the crest and then run again. Mm-hmm. So that became my philosophy with swimming. I would front crawl. And when I get tired to a certain point, 
I was just backstroke. Backstroke became my walking. Okay. You must be a strong kicker. Because I think the backstroke, I think in order to go fast, you need a strong kick. Because the stroke don't get you as enough as the pull forward. With the backstroke, I have an extra reach. From day one, you know, doctor told my mama, dang, that boy got some long arms. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think more like than my kick, because I have a basic kick. And, uh, you know, so I think it's more of my stroke and angle, the way I was taught to do backstroke back when I was in college, you know. Yeah, so I'm probably doing a better pull than a better kick. Let's say if I was doing a run walk, if I ran three minutes and, and 30 seconds worth of walking, that's all I would do. Okay, that's your recovery kind of. Yep, 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 it's become my recovery. Like the last, when I've done uh, half Ironman Maryland, every buoy I got to, I was turned over to the back, swim a little bit, recover, then swim back, front crawl to the next buoy. Yeah, that became my way I practice in the pool. So I increased from the eight feet. So 12 and a half feet became my target because it's half of the pool. Yeah. And sometimes I used to stop twice and get halfway. And I would, and, and then, you know, half, half, the rest of the half is deep water. <laughs> Nothing you can do. Right. So I would stop right there and we're like, okay, get yourself together because you got 12 and a half. You can't stop. Just increase. Eventually, I increased to 25 meters. Until eventually, like you say, one day I swam 2.4 miles in one hour and 52 minutes. So what's your greatest challenge in, as you say, as far as triathlons? Would you say it's the swimming or just the combination of putting three events together? Like now that I've done a full Ironman, I've trained the whole year because the whole year of 2020, we had the coronavirus. That became my training year. And it was actually perfect timing because we had a year to do nothing but train. We won't go into work. They say you couldn't leave your house unless you were riding the bike, swimming, or running, exercising. So I'm like, oh, well, what's fine? I'll do all three. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm McKinley. This Deacon, this Deacon run was out there doing the work, and I'm just riding on his shoulder just watching him do it. So you were just like autopilot. After you trained so much, doing 220, it was kind of like a part of you, like your yeah, It just became a long training day that's all but i never got to the point to where you know some people ask you when did you know you would finish the race when did you know uh, at Raleigh, you have to do two laps right after i finished my first lap i was halfway i looked at my watch it, it was 52 minutes right and i'm like so you mean tell me i'll have done uh, 1.2 miles in 52 minutes and i got like how long an hour and two hour 20 left to do 1.2 I'm like, as long as, you know, I don't, some of that crazy stuff, I act of God, but I would admit, as long as uh, as just finish this last lap, I can duck like almost went four minute 100s and finish as long as I, you know, I do that and I get to the, have no mechanic on the bike. And I was like, no matter what the conditions is, I, can, I one thing I do know is how to finish a marathon. I know how to run a marathon, no matter what the conditions is. I ran so many, so many different weather, though, so many terrain. So eventually you'll learn how to run it under adverse condition, even after swimming, you know, two, four miles and 112 miles. Yeah. I'm like, well, this is just a marathon. Oh, I'm not going to do this. You know, yeah. Just keep on running. Just don't stop running. Just don't stop moving. And that was never came it. So you didn't find, I guess, triathlons as challenging because you trained so much, basically. Yeah. yeah it was, matter of fact, it was challenging in the early days. Just doing a regular triathlon, putting all three sports together, that 
And when transition from the pool to open water, but the open water triathlon at the sprint distance for me, for me now, because I was just starting, was harder than doing Ironman. Well, that's true because if you the shorter distance, the swim is a greater portion of the race. If you think about it, because if you go up from the sprint to the Olympic to Ironman, like the swim don't increase really that much. much. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so that was more challenging than um, than just to do the Ironman because I like I said Ironman was a long training day. You already long as you put it in your head that it's gonna be a long day. Yeah, it is definitely. <laughs> and prepare for anything, prepare your mind for anything. Then you kind of okay. Yeah, but you got to put the work in though. You mentioned in your bio that you had some. I guess you went to a few swim camps when you were trying to get back into swimming, and you really didn't have a great experience. In the swim camps, can you tell me about that? Yeah, we have a local track club. Uh, we have a local track club here in Richmond called, uh, well, it's in, it's in Richmond. And so when I first started, you know, I was training with Alberta, Alberta Williams. She was like the one person that I don't like bring along to too many people like when I'm training because, um, you know, because I'd be at a certain mindset. And if your mindset not matching my mindset, then we can't train together. Because, you know, I can train with you or you if you said, can you train me today? But if I'm doing my training and you join me, then you have to do what I do, you know. Right. So it was only a minute. So, you know, once I started triathlon, she became my tri training partner because she was better swimming than me. So I, I used to gain confidence from her swimming. Then I met this group through her local tri. So then they start having open water swim practices like beginners and all of that. And. Probably Alberta, me and another lady was the only minorities there, only black minorities there. And, you know, the rest of them was them. And so, you know, they was very helpful. They gave you all the information I need. All you do is ask the question. They would stay over and help you and everything. But you know, it's still something that just ain't right. You just don't feel comfortable because, you know, you know, once they get to swim, they, they just knew so they just go across the lake, come back, go, they you know gonna come back and say, Well, can I help you? Like, no, you got to swim across the lake, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. All you do, you, you see they little pool boy, then he keep going and going and get smaller and smaller. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, so I just didn't feel comfortable. And um, and I stopped, not that I stopped training with them, but I kind of didn't. And I kind of, I think I went to Charlotte a couple of times to meet up with my friend there, John. I had never, like I said, I have never trained with a group of minorities, but we had, I had a training day with them and, you know, everybody messing up. Everybody can't do this. Everybody can't. So you just laugh about it. You know, it's just like that. Just like you would think you at college at homecoming. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You yeah. know, it's just that feel inside of you to where, you know, you just feel comfortable. And so I kind of, that's what I kind of pulled from the group and I start reaching into BTA members minds. And I brought me a GoPro and I put it in the pool and I watched those submersion videos over and over and over and over. And I would study the videos and I would study myself in the pool and compare to eventually I could fix some things, you know. So you analyze your own struggle. Yes, yes, yes. Because I would swear, you know, when I see it and the people say, go through this, I felt like I was doing it. And when I got the video, this much of my head was above the water. You know, you come up. Really? <laughs> to breathe <laughs> you were catching all trying to catch all there <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the video showed me and you know the hands you know this left hand was terrible it was going in flat like that 
Mm-hmm. Like he was slapping I it. I swear it was going in like you know, it, it was going like that, and, and then under the water with your feet, you know, I was you supposed to be like like this. My leg feel like this. Yeah, they were like okay, all, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Once I saw analyzing that, and a lot of it came from you know prior military stuff. Yeah, a lot of that came from that. You know, because that's one thing I did learn from the army is self motivation. I can do it myself. I just need to learn how and when to do. Yes. Okay. Do you did you read any books to kind of help? Do you use Tridot for your own to plan your schedule? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, matter of fact, I've been using Tridot since my first triathlon in 2017 and they literally have built me from barely can i started running in the pool to iron man okay you were running in the pool for just endurance yeah i know my first oh from the uh from the initial indoor triathlon they tell you yeah yeah you can run yeah i remember my first indoor track where the pool was five feet from end to end yeah, I'll swim a little, run a little. So tell me what's on your bucket list as far as multi-sports triathlons. This year, I've been doing triathlon just for the fun of it. I've done two halves, about three sprints. I never do Olympics, never ever. Why? Because of the swim, right? Now, this is going to sound crazy, right? But my philosophy with the Olympic distance is when I first started doing triathlon, I look at what it took to be an Ironman. 112 miles on the bike and run a marathon, you know, a certain amount of time. I was like, well, I can go and do an Ironman now if it wasn't from the swim. After I got my bike within a year, I could ride 112 miles. I know within the time they said. When I looked at the Olympic swim, it's like 0.9 miles. Mm-hmm. A half Ironman swim is 1.2 miles, about another, what, 300 meters? Right? So I'm like, no, no. If I'm swimming, I'm going to go ahead and swim the whole whole 1.2 and do a half. You know, people are celebrated for doing the little smart, the sprint. People are celebrated for doing, you know, you done a sprint. Yeah, you done your first, right? People are celebrated for doing halves. People are celebrated for doing full. How many folks out there really, really celebrated for doing Olympics? People do it because they're trying to get some confidence. I didn't need confidence on the bike or the run. I need to cover this on the swim. So if I'm going to swim 0.9, no, I'm going the whole 1.2. <laughs> you might as well do a half. Because yeah, only 300 more meters. And like I said, do a half marathon and riding 56 miles on the bike, no biggie. That's true. I'm trying to think. I've only, I've done two Olympics, I think. Chicago. And I forget the other. Oh, I did one in Mississippi. Because a matter of fact, the sprint really make me focus because it's so fast. You really got to pay attention. Like, especially during transition. And some of the other things you do, and since it's so fast, it really, really makes me um, focus and dial in during the sprint. So no Olympics, sprints, halves, and fulls for you, huh? Yeah. You know, I'll do relay team, any all three of them. Okay. You, how many relays have you done? I've done three relays. I've done three relays. I've done two at the half mile Ironman distance, one at the sprint distance. Which one of the three did you, I mean, as far as swim, bike, or run, did you do for the relays? What I've done at the one at the sprint distance, this was a actually was a when I look back on it, it was a cop out relay because I had signed up for it to do it myself. And it probably would have been like my third open water swim. And when it came like two days before, I got horrified. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. But you know, I'm like, I'll, I can I'll run and ride the bike. So, I, local track group. I put it out there. If anybody want to swim, I do the rest. One guy was, oh, yeah, I'll swim it. 
Yeah, so that was my first relay. And then the other two have been with uh, Team BU for Life. I'm the cyclist. Last year was our first year doing the, doing the relay. We've done North Carolina 7.3 relay. And this year we're going back and we're trying for sub six. Yeah, we was about six fifteen last year. And one of the runner was her first time like running. She's run half Ironmans before, but you know, running them as part of a relay team, as part of Ironman, totally different philosophy than going out there doing yourself. Because when, what she found out is when you're doing seven point three as a relay, you go all in, eighty, ninety percent. Ain't nothing to say. That's true, because you just running. Which I've never done a relay before. She kind of done it like she done her her regular relay, you know. I'm like, no, you you have to go all in. The first time I done the bike, I done 56 miles. I think was 310. Last year I was 302. So this year I'm going for sub three. Depends on the weather, you know. If it don't rain, yeah. But if it's normal like it was the first two years, and so that's my goal is to go sub three. So. You said you were kind of having fun this year. What's on your schedule for next year as far as a multi-sport? Next month, 12th of September, is my 64th birthday. And you know how in triathlon, uh, they move you up a year. Mm-hmm. I, don't like, I don't like that. But Oh, I'm, I'm loving it now. Because see, last year when I was training for Ironman, I done seven triathlons. I podium in, in six of them, right? Okay, well, congratulations. Thank you. It was just different. But this year, I've done like, like four or something like that. And I think I'm only pulling you once because see, now I'm the old man in the group. Mm-hmm. But now you're going to get a new age. In September. Group. Yes. Yeah. So I was competing last year, last weekend in Luray, Virginia. I lost to a 59 year old man because I've done a duathlon. They only give first, no seconds. And yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that particular race. Yeah. I lost to a 59 year old guy because he qualified to be 60 to be in our age group by three minutes. And actually, I, and I wasn't even competing. I just wanted to have fun, but I shouldn't have looked at the numbers on my <laughs> He'd be like, no. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did. Okay, I knew I had fun. I, you know, I wasn't trying, trying. But, you know, I tried to be respectable and everything. But then I saw three minutes. I'm like, <sighs> yeah. So what's, what's, what's on the plate for next year? So next year, it'll be my 65th birthday. And so I want to... I want to go back to Maryland and do a 140.6 Ironman. Um, it's my birthday. Because, you know, I look at when I go to the races, there's not too many black men out there, period. And so it's really scarce you will find a 65-year-old black man attempting to do a full Ironman race or a half Ironman race or maybe even a sprint. Or Olympic, the ones you don't do, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> skip over it like it don't exist, right? <laughs> And so with my goal next year, so that's, you know, that's like the big goal is to go in June because um, Maryland has a three medal challenge. You go in June, you do Eagle Man. In September, you go, you do Iron Man, you get a third medal. And I forget, the, the, it might be Krabby Challenge or something like that. Yeah, so that's my goal and, you know, to do that at 65. And then, you know, out in Cambridge, rent a big old house and just bring the family and we just cook out all weekend. Now have a good and just time. have a good time. And, you know, I just happen to have a race to do, but, you know, I pray I can train like I did in 2020. Everything will be all right. I have confidence. <laughs> <in you. laughs> 
So part of my podcast is to um, feature guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. Can you tell me about an obstacle that you had to overcome, whether it be running, triathlon, or just related to life in general? My, my greatest obstacle to me actually has been myself. People talk about personalities. When I was talking earlier, I was talking about, you know, Mac Daddy. You got this thing run. You got Iron Digger. You got what my family know know me as. You got Kenny. So, you know, you got, you know, my, your friends and Mac. So you got so much stuff going on with these different personalities. And so my biggest bit of obstacle actually was against myself. Yeah, I would win because of me or I would be defeated because of me. It had nothing to do with no outside forces, no other people, nothing else. It was only me. What did you do to overcome? Early in the story, um, when I was talking about that prayer, that one prayer, yeah. And it wasn't like, you know, you get around what I call church people. You know, you get around church people, you know, they talk about, you know, praying on your knees and wows and the odd things and, you know. And you get to a certain point to where if you're not that person that's going to pray like they do in the King James Version of the Bible, you might be a little, you know, apprehensive or something like that when it comes to prayer. But as a seven-year-old boy, one thing I always believed that there was a God and I could talk to him. And this particular night, actually, I was driving and I had a drink and I talked to my God, which I call my prayer. And I asked him, I don't need to do this. I need help. And that was it. There was no, you know, all these long verses and all this other stuff, you know, but, you know, but along with prayer, there have to be, you have to commit, you have to do the work, praying, and then just keep on doing the same thing you done last week. You're going to stumble. You know, a lot of people are not going to want to see you go to where you want to go through that prayer or whatnot. And um, a lot of people will look like they support you. They will tell you they will support you, but really you'll figure out that, um, no, they're not going to prove what they knew you. <laughs> that's that's true. If you see them in the supermarket, they'll say hi, they'll smile and everything else. But remember I told you about that feel? You know, I tell everybody, I said, one thing growing up in the country is like God give us a sixth sense. We pick people sometimes. I guess city folks do it too, maybe. We pick people out sometimes just based on, you know, people be like, man, when I get around that dude, I just don't feel right. When I get that feeling, you know, so I just about to feel. So, and if a present day McKinley could go back and talk to your younger self, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give yourself? I would just tell my young self, just follow what's in your heart. You know, that you can do, you literally can do anything you want to if you put the work in, you pray about it. I would tell myself that. But the most thing, I would just make him aware of just people. Because where I'm coming from, too, one thing I did get that sometimes it can be a little bad is trust. You know, you grew up in the rural area, we trust a lot of people. You said yes, trust? Yes, yes, yes. That's the way my trust factor works. If I meet you for the first time, I give you 100% and you subtract. So if you work your way down to 20, it wasn't my fault, it was you. So you you like you trust people up up front until they prove that they're not trustworthy. And and my wife, which I call her the general, she hates that because she'd be like, you know, you just roll with folks. And I'd be like, well, you know, I don't care what people say about them. Sometimes people show you right then and there the next day, whatnot. But eventually, but I call that trust factor. Sometimes I call it an investment. You know, you know, if I give trust and you do something to, to kind of take it away it's a nice investment so now i know i don't have to waste my time in my life dealing with you true and i think if you if you pour into people you you'll be blessed in the long run for like putting in the effort i always say there's nothing wrong with going overboard 
So that's one thing I was just warning my my younger self to trust factor. So any last minute words of advice for my listeners? For anybody that listening, I tell them, if, I, I, sometimes I say if you're a person like me, but I know who those folks are. But I know most folks have, I'm talking from an athletic point or just a life in general. People have things in life they want to do. And sometimes people want to keep it a secret because, you know, if you fail, then you fail in a little closet and nobody knew about it. And you're kind of glad because people ain't on you about it. But deep down inside of you, there's something that tells you, you know, you know you failed, right? You failed. So when it comes to things that you try to do, talk them out. Talk them out. Share them. Matter of fact, sometimes you put them out there. Because when you put them out there, you can't throw nothing and just try to make it stick. If you put it out there, now you got to go work for it and earn it to make it happen. And even if you have to start at the bottom, start slow, eventually you can get there. You just have to stay at it. Mm-hmm. Consistency. Mm-hmm. Just like when I'm driving in a storm. You know, you probably heard the a 100,000 times. Um, the general always want me to pull over, right? And I told her, I said, no. The first time I flew in an airplane, I noticed that when I was on the ground, it was raining, but above the airplane, it was sunny, <laughs> right? That's a little boy. I never knew that. Once it was raining, I thought it was raining all the way from outer space. So I figured out, take your time and be in control. Cut your hazards on. Be cautious. Slow down and, you know, watch everybody around you, in front of you. Eventually, guess what happened? The sun is out. When that cloud hitting you, just, 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 just hang in there. Eventually, it'll get brighter. Eventually. You know, your life might get turned upside down. Like when I had that event in 2009, I went from financially real good to zero. But I never I never really felt like I lost anything. You know, based on what happened, like I gained a lot. Because now my dad is over here and something else has be, begun to happen in my life. And just so happened, you know, once I start going back to church and Doing what we do in the church for like, you know, uh, we've been looking at you for a while. You know, we, we would love to have you as a deacon here. Not because I act, not because of nothing else. It's just that I had a life-changing experience. I had all my little talk with God and everything else, you know. I would get myself straight back in life, you know. I just want to serve you and tell folks how you changed my life. Because I'm not going to be that person, like I was saying, those churchy people walk around with the verses Walk around with the Bible. I'm not that type. I'm, I'm the type to tell you how God changed my life, the struggles I had, and everything else. And if I can help you, I can help you through the Word. And I agree with that because more people, I say, come to to church and God with love, not with condemnation. Yeah, I mean, just like you know, you look at God back in the book. They said, "Who he always was running after? He was running after good folk." <laughs> He was with the tax collectors. He might got with some thugs, bro. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, for real. Like sometimes they say you got to go where the people are. And My preacher always preach, you need a friend like Peter. You know, Peter was a thug. He, he had a knife. Yeah, for real. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you got to meet people where they are. You know, even though I was like that back in the day, I'm still like that. If I meet you for the first time, we, you know, I'll give you that 100%. It's almost like the first day I met you, your hair kind of got my attention. <laughs> I'm like, you want to talk to that lady? 
so much fun. And then when I met you, you was fun. Because we were special around the marathon as we would see each other. And, and, and you know, it just mm-hmm. became special. Then I came to Chicago and met you, saw you on the street. I'm like, oh, there she goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Then, uh, then I followed your Iron Man journey. And because of you and because of another lady from North Carolina, when you all done Iron Man, it's something, you know, I'm not going to put women down. But it's something about watching you all grow and do it. It gave me so much confidence. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad I, I helped you out <laughs> through my struggle. You and Nikki, yeah, gave me a lot of confidence. Gave me a lot of confidence. Because, you know, the men I watched, they were like, you know, they probably played football or everything. You know, they were just athletes. You know, I kind of, I need some ordinary people. You know, that other word they say, ordinary people doing such and such stuff. So where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on Facebook with my regular name, McKinley Mason. Or you can find me on Instagram, This Deagle Run. Well, thanks again for joining me and sharing your story. You're welcome. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. Oh, you are life. Oh, you are love. Thank you, and please tune in again.